0: Alright, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Hoag and Bonesaw Kepner of the band Two Player, formerly of the band Full Service. And uh, this is a band, uh, both bands, these are two bands that me and Coda both adore. Um, Hoag is a drummer, singer-songwriter, and Bonesaw is a guitar player, singer-songwriter. The brothers are both relentless, talented musicians based out of Austin. Hoag also runs a recording studio called The Dream, which I highly recommend. Hogue does all the mastering work for uh, Coda and I's band. Our band's called C-Level, letter C, Dash. Coda was supposed to join me on this intro, but we put this in the in the can to save it for a part two. We're hoping to get a part two. If you don't know, Full Service was a reggae rock, alternative rock band with like a metal twist. They did everything. And like, in my opinion, it was one of the most innovative bands in a lot of ways that bands never even think they get innovative in. One of which... One example of which being their takeover tour. And there's a really cool documentary on Vimeo of said tour. But in 2008, the summer of 2008, full service embarked on the takeover tour in which they followed the band 311 around playing in the parking lots of the venues that 311 was playing at. And spoilers, eventually they get to the main stage. How they get there, you guys got to watch the doc and check it out or listen to our conversation. But before full service, I've never heard of a band embarking on a tour like that. And it's one of the many innovative things they've done throughout their career. Now, Hogan Bonesaw are doing a project called Two Player. They have a new album out. It's called Power Plant. It's available on all streaming platforms. A few things before we get to our conversation. Uh, Coda and I's band, C-Level, letter C-Dash. We are a high-energy funk, punk, reggae rock group based out of Cleveland, Ohio. We take acoustic 12-stringed instruments and run them through martial amps. Um, we have a couple gigs coming up, one of which is at the Westside Bowl in Youngstown, Ohio, July 14th with the Bumping Uglies. We're opening for the Bumping Uglies. Joining us on that bill is Joint Operation. Also, August 17th, we are playing at the Rock Hall in Cleveland, Ohio with Mellow Man Funk. So if you are in the Ohio area, we would be honored if you would join us at one of those gigs. During this conversation, there's some wild things that happened. There was a power outage. <laughs> um, Hogue and Bonesaw's house just lost power. Um, so there's a couple bumps and turns and a couple uh, sonic issues that differ between the beginning and the end of the conversation due to switching to different medias to carry on the conversation. So, um, it's a ride. And uh, you guys might have heard throughout some past episodes, I've mentioned the 2% principle, which I learned from these guys, from Hogan Bonesaw on tour with State Radio. Hogan Bonesaw have been a huge inspiration for myself and for Coda. And uh, you're going to hear us gush out and fan and geek out a little bit. Um, but before that, if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like Hogan Bonesaw and sharing their insights with you. And without further ado, here is uh, Coda and I's conversation with Hogan Bonesaw.
1: Good to meet you. Yeah,
0: no, sorry. I was like, <laughs> I'm Dave. Listening. Let's do it again. It is confusing. Here All we right. go. Here we go. So who are you? We got Coda, Dave.
2: I'm Bonesaw, Hogue.
3: There we go. And we will strictly call you Bone and Hogue to not get confused with the two Daves.
4: Oh, that's good. <laughs> right, yeah. That may, yeah. But yeah. How many people know my true name. Anyway, go ahead. True. Oh, I'll keep it. it wrapped up.
3: So, uh, starting off, I just wanted to ask like, what does the Philadelphia Phillies mean to your band?
4: <laughs> oh, I'll go, Bones.
2: I'll pick up where you no, leave off. I mean, it goes quite deep if you know our family and how we got to where we are. I mean, our. Baseball was like the thing our family cohesion was built on, basically, both playing it together. And then my, our weird third brother, who's just like the sports writer savant, who was, you know, his name is Tyler Kepner. He's had this incredible uh, affinity for baseball and sports writing since he was a, a small child. So, uh, you know, we followed his career as a sports writer for New York Times. He's had a couple of successful books out. Um, and baseball is just sort of how we weaved a lot of our relationships together, I guess. Uh, and, you know, and obviously we're all still huge super fans of the Phillies in particular. So, you know, our, our, our family group chats are pretty much all about the, the Phillies and whatnot.
4: Yeah, big Phillies fans. Uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, Bonesaw has a flying V that's like maroon. Yep. Red. It's basically Phillies in like 80s Phillies red. Mm-hmm. And he put a P a Phillies P on there, a nice sticker. It's the only sticker I've ever put on the guitar, I think. Yeah, was I was shocked when he did. And then uh, I I have an acoustic guitar that I just put. Did you see it? No. I just put the same one on there. Oh yeah! And my parents go to a lot of Phillies. Our our parents go to a lot of Phillies games, and so we're watching closely this year's uh, wild card race.
3: Cool. Uh, how how are... and
4: dude, Coda, I've been thinking of you because he looks like Marsh. yeah on the Phillies right now. look, uh, look him, uh, I'll pull it up but do look every time I watch a Phillies game, which is like you know current Phillies Center five times a week, I think of you because you look just like this dude.
0: Cool. Anyway you, could. Um, you have
4: a potential now.
3: Really quick how are Mom and dad's all
2: doing? Uh, they're doing very good. They um, currently they're out exploring like the um, western United States on a little trip out there they're both very healthy. They're like mid seventies. Uh, my mom had a cancer thing about eight years ago and worked her way through it. She's all good. Um, they're doing just perfect. Doing great.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Thanks when, for I, asking. when I went to the circus, that was one of my top moments was, uh, there was a, there was a moment where me and Kelly needed, a, we missed one of the buses hanging out, having too much fun and we needed a ride <laughs> And your dad offered to give us a ride. And he, he, really? Yeah, and he dropped you off. So there was like a 10, 15 minute car ride where it was just me, Kelly, and your mom and dad. And your dad was just <laughs> dropping knowledge on me. And like, I really, really enjoyed meeting the two of them.
2: I love it. Yeah, they felt the same. <laughs> they felt the same about you guys. Uh, thanks for asking. Oh, wow. That does look oh, All right. So here's out. just a little
4: glimpse. Whoa. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you put eye black on and you're ready to go. Yeah, wow,
0: you could totally yeah. doppelganger that guy.
3: Wow, there's a keyboard player for the Allman Brothers that people tell me I look like, but I think that that guy is Greg, Greg Allman? Allman. not Greg <laughs> Allman, one of their other keyboard players. But that guy is a much closer match. <laughs> now you can yeah.
4: now you can be a Phillies fan. Welcome to the team. <laughs> and that's it. That's also a good call. You're you have a general Allman Brothers look. You could have, slide right into that band.
3: There's a German metal band I love called Cadaver, and I feel like I could slide right into that <laughs> too. You're,
0: you're in between Cadaver and Almond, Cadal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I don't know. Um. So. So, ye listeners, ye listeners,
2: this is an audio podcast. You're just yeah. gonna have to go to a sea level concert and see what the fuck we're talking about. You know.
3: <laughs> yeah. All get, the Austin get after Austin listeners.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: But so um. So kind of growing up around a team mentality and like with baseball in the household, how did that kind of play into like eventually like making music
4: together? Oh, that's a great question, Dave. Um, I would say that Bonesaw and I were not on that many teams together, but we grew up with a healthy appreciation for competition. And... I mean, certainly being a part of a team, I mean, being in a band, and being a part of a team, they're, they're closely aligned. But um, I think more the spirit of competition informed our, our music yeah. uh, relationship because we sort of tacitly agree. It's never discussed, but we always sort of uh, try to live up to the other's skill level.
0: Okay. Yeah
4: um and we don't let each other get away with any bullshit creativity wise and so you have to come correct yeah you really got to come ready
2: i would have said the same thing the 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 competitive spirit would be what i would say uh both between each other and also towards like uh, other bands (laughs) or like other uh you know and the, the overall just kind of drive to like have a career in, in music. The same kind of like, you know, us versus the world
4: mentality. The same, the same as being on a good team, you know, to win. Yeah. And Smell also, Smell was the, in full service, now we're two player, but in full service Smell was the third head of this monster. And um, he also kind of had that us against the world mentality. Um, wish he could be here, but he lives thirty minutes away and he also has a new baby, like Coda and Bonesaw. His is like brand new. Like yeah.
0: I, yeah, I did I saw that too recently. Yeah. So now it's the competition with the babies I get it.
4: I see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna sign him up for soccer in the same league and keep track of who I mean in full service it got to the point where we had to
2: stop after many years of competing against each other every day playing soccer basketball we pretty much had to stop yeah. because of the like the competition got to be such that we couldn't play together anymore well, yeah here's a couple examples so <laughs> and other bands who used to play
4: with us also refused to play with us because
2: i mean mostly because of smell
4: <laughs> but definitely because of smell absolutely because of smell but the most unsportsmanlike award goes to bone sauce because true. we used to play we used to uh, precede every jam with a backyard soccer match, and we have a yeah. I mean, you've been to the yard, so it's a small yard, but you can play two on two. We set up some benches, and we we play, uh, then we jam. And one time, Bonesaw, smell was had a clear goal, like it was a breakaway steal, uh, and he was going to the goal, and Bonesaw comes up behind him, sweeps his leg, and fucking breaks his leg. Oh my god! In gosh. the process. <laughs> Shit wow yeah i i can't
2: i can't believe that we recovered from that that was like i've never done anything so unspirited in my life before or after
4: dude in a weird way i think bones i I mean i think smell respected it i I mean i'm horrified i'm horrified by that story and i can't
2: believe it happened i was like always proud of myself and still do on being a really spirited player and i I just i remember doing it i was just like fuck it fuck him and it was (laughs) so terrible
4: Stupid, meaningless game. Yeah. And ruin the jam. Uh,
2: wow. No it's one
4: even
3: watching or anything. <laughs> just <laughs> No,
4: just us. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, but Smell was a real, and if he listens to this, which I, think, I know he will, uh, he'll be okay with this because he knows. He was the worst. <laughs> he had a really bad temper, and there came a time where, so bad the dudes in Bad Fish would play soccer with us occasionally, mostly Joel, the bass player um and there came a point where joe's like i'm not gonna play with you guys anymore like it's <laughs> too it's too crazy like smell is kind of out of control i'm like i don't i don't really need this in my life <laughs> yeah man we're in the weeds but so, yeah. yeah true story well, they asked about
2: competition I think yeah. it's right
0: but. On. <laughs> That's the point because like, you know, musically or like when you're in a creative uh, outlet of any sort and working as a team, there either establishes that kind of like role of, oh, there's the Bob Dylan in the group and we're the the band or there's like equal partners within making everything happen. And like to keep that going and like as efficiently and like looking at your discography, it's like there's so much stuff so that had to be there that idea of like always trying to get better and keep coming up with stuff like getting ready to talk with you going through all the stuff i was like holy shit like this is this is relentless in the best way mm.
1: prolific nice. <laughs>
4: <laughs> prolific prolific with the callback well, thanks yeah definitely definitely
2: plays in into all of that and also just the survival i think the right. full service and also just us continuing to play together uh learning how to compete against each other and with each other helps a lot in mitigating, you know, jam, jam room stuff. It's not the, the jam room and the music is not the only place where we intersect. Right. And I think that that, and not, and, and and socially as well, like we, you know, I've always thought that having that sort of sports outlet together, uh, helps us out. I mean, now he and I play a lot of ultimate frisbee together against each other and on same teams. And that's continuing that tradition.
4: Yeah. And I, we recently found out that, uh, so the whalers Bob Marley and the Whalers used to do, to do the same thing they would and, and that's he, he referenced playing soccer before jamming right. as the uh, inspiration for lively up yourself is right. that they would lively up themselves oh, uh, yeah. and get their blood moving before they jammed and that, so they had a similar thing going on with I knew about that. that I didn't
3: that. know about that specific song, but I did know that they he did that before jamming.
0: Yeah, because oh, yeah. that's how he figured out his toe, right? How it had cancer from the... From yeah.
3: The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, th- I think Bob Marley and the Whalers might be the only band to ever play more soccer than full service. That's
2: <laughs> 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 very possible. But when did- Okay, so- watch this etiquette. I'm going to take his apple bite. Oh. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> this is the um, ASMR. Um, when I first started apple. podcasting
3: with Dave, I would always eat. And he would get so mad. I just always brought snacks. And I tried to back away from the mic, but he would just he would rage on me. I think that's the thing. Me and Dave's relationship is very similar to your y'all's relationship. But I feel like I I feel like we're both an amalgamation of bone and hope. Like he 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 kinda does the managerial stuff, but then I'll kind of be the one to like yell at him. For things, so we both have traits of, of <laughs> both of
4: you. Um, yeah, i have seen that. That's very interesting. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> but, um,
0: so the kind of the kind of when did music start to become an outlet? When did like when did you guys start playing and writing? Was
3: when music we... in the household for you guys?
0: Growing
4: up, yes, growing up in terms of what we were exposed to, uh, our parents, though not musically trained, or you know having not had any. Um, career in music they were very musical and um they sang to us every night before we went to bed and um and wrote songs and wrote songs yeah they were oddly uh creative for like a lawyer and a a medical writer slash you know stay-at-home mom Um, and looking back like they had a really good sense of Harmony and structure. It was yeah. yeah. We, we we a long time later we like we should figure out
2: like what the music is underneath these several songs they wrote for us that they sang every night and like they were like really they would be great songs. Yeah, they
4: understood form. Yeah, but they had no instruments, so it was all a acapella. So they had one. It was called. So my real name is Dave, and they called me Davy Doobies, which was which was uh, prophetic in a way.
1: You know what I mean.
4: <laughs> But um and then they had one called uh Cookie and Puppy and Ernie, which were like bone stuffed animals. But Davy Doobies went, David David Doobies, sock it sock it to me, David Davy, you're so sweet. Davy David Doobies, booby woobie, booby woobie, you're my little sweetie baby. Oh, David. And they had that blue note, Oh, David. <laughs> so they were following like this blues form, and then yeah. uh Cookie and Puppy and Ernie went, Cookie and Puppy and Ernie. Are friends with my little Timmy toes, Cookie and Puppy and Ernie, they go wherever he goes. I Damn. love my yeah. Timmy buddy, yeah. he's my special
2: boy. <laughs> and Cookie and Puppy and Ernie, they bring him so much joy. Oh, Cookie! I mean, I sing this every night to Ramona. There's yeah. another verse, and that, there's also the pokey little puppy, which is the that's the that's the best one. That's an original.
4: Yeah. What the the fuck? fuck? Dude, you didn't have to (laughs) read. Yeah, and that one goes like this: The pokey little puppy, he wouldn't go to bed. Sleep, sleep. The pokey little puppy, he wouldn't count sheep. The pokey little puppy, he wouldn't such a sleepy head, but the pokey little puppy just wouldn't go to bed. Pokey, pokey, pokey little puppy. Pokey, pokey, pokey puppy dog, pokey little puppy dog. Pokey little puppy dog, Pokey Little Puppy Dog, the pokey dog,
2: dog. Wow. <laughs> that is an
3: incredible memory that you guys can remember that.
2: Oh, I mean, I sing it every night to Mo. Yeah. The last song I sing every night. But she can say, sing it now.
3: Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was curious with uh with Ramona, has she ever met Ramona that the song she was does. written about? What is the, what is the relationship there?
2: It's, Dude, she was here yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Whoa. So that's Ramona Gonzalez. She lives down the street still. She's a, a sophomore in high school. And, uh, you know, we named her after that Ramona and the song. And uh she stayed close a, to them all.
3: She did the artwork for Carousel?
2: Yes. Wow, great, great memory. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, that's hanging on their wall of their house. Anyway, so she calls her her god sister, because she's my goddaughter. And uh, she babysits for her. She's like her only person who babysits for her. And they, they have an incredible chemistry. It's like... So so great it's even it's hard to believe how well that worked out. <laughs>
0: that's
3: awesome.
2: Yeah, they have a good good relationship.
0: That's amazing. That's a one do oh, yeah. you're right that, that those songs you guys just sang were very like musically like well thought out.
2: Like way yeah.
3: way better than the songs that I've wrote for Freya and, and <laughs> as a songwriter, so
2: who knows? That's Dad's Saw and Mom Saw. I think mom saw wrote PokePoc.
3: I was gonna say I was getting more Momsaw
0: vibes. <laughs> um, so
3: anyway, jumping back that was, in,
0: that was amazing.
3: Yeah, that was like, great. Yeah. So jumping from there, um, when did you guys start playing instruments, and what instruments did you guys start on?
2: It's a good story for mom huh? Oh yeah, I mean it. It came about, you know, I was in middle school in like the early '90s, like '90, 90, '91. So like um, amazing years, '89, yeah, '90, '91, '92. Uh, for you know, rock music, Monty Crue, Guns N' Roses, like Megadeth, like all these things happening, and uh, I had a friend Morgan who turned me on to that. Morgan who later helped make the Takeover movie. Moog. Um, Moog. Yes. Yeah, Mooger. So Moog had a,
3: he also produced a lot of the records, right?
2: He did several of them. Yeah, the yeah, other still wants you. <laughs> so he had a he used first one to get a guitar in sixth grade, and he let me borrow it one time, and I like I thought it was awesome. Played it for a while, and then I had a big floor-to-ceiling mirror in my bedroom. That this a true story, I swear. And I was you know seventh grade or whatever sixth grade like think whatever i was pretending to be a rock out in my room in front of this giant mirror and my mom walked in and i was like so embarrassed that i said oh i just it's just because i want to play guitar and then she got me a guitar and i played um <laughs> and that's why i started
4: because i was embarrassed it could have been a lot more embarrassing I know. you I were know. wanking on a guitar
2: i know I... <laughs> uh, but then um then my best friend growing up was a drummer and that was really like you know he and I played together all day, every day, and Hope picked up drums. So it's kind of like I had two of these two incredible drummers right from the get-go. And he ended up playing in a band with Mooger, another guy. Um, so we sort of in our high school developmental ages kind of came up with other people, but like practicing in the same room, not really jamming very much, um, except the jazz band in high school. But then when I went to college, that was when we you know he started playing, we started playing together. In college, basically, after you know, not really playing much to get in high school.
3: So, and I know Hogue went to Yale. What college did you go to, Bonesaw? Huh?
2: I went to Amherst College. It's an Amherst, Mass, not UMass, but Amherst College, other side of town. <laughs>
3: um, what I was always curious: what your guys's degrees were?
4: My degree was in American Studies, which is what you choose when it's sophomore year, and you have to choose, and you look at what classes you've taken. And and that's that's the American studies is in the the most classes you, you took. Yeah, mine was American history. Just similar.
3: Very Whoa. similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always knew, uh, or I I always suspected that Hogue went to Yale because of the song "This Is a Tale" on Three Will Ride. Four. That's right. And I was I was always like, is uh, is he talking about Hogue or the older brother Tyler? Oh yeah. And then I I was conf- my theory was confirmed <laughs> on the Beat Cake album when Hogue said yeah. the classic lyric got a Yale degree, <laughs> and did nothing with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and did nothing with it. Yeah. That's great, man.
4: Good knowledge. I, That's it. Yeah. Was that me or you? Anyway, that was you.
0: <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Like So, like, as you're going through college, when does music become more of the focus center? Like, is it just, you start playing it with, playing with people? It's interesting that you practice together, but not together, how you describe bone saw, But, like, when did that become kind of more of the focus
4: so summer of 98 we have a we have a tape cassette yeah there's a tape right yeah originally yeah uh and it must have been a four track or something it's probably right here in that closet right there but (laughs) um summer of 98 um so that was the summer before he left for college or i left for college sorry
2: um and we had
4: all these like prototype songs and um when i got to college i spent most of my weekends going up there um
2: you're missing generally. a lot of the
4: good stuff in that summer when i was at home <laughs> we actually
2: ended up dating sisters Whoa. who lived down the street and that was really funny. i'm not sure that
4: that's relevant no but, no, because of that <laughs> summer we hung out we were
2: hanging out a lot together which still cool happened a lot
4: you I, we hung out together a whole
2: fucking lot. I know, but like we didn't like, I don't know. what We were doing, I, in my opinion, we were doing more things and we were dating these sisters. It was kind of exciting. And we, we jammed, we intentionally started jamming a lot more that summer when I was at home. And that was when we wrote these songs that became that album. That actually
4: there was a good tie in. Okay. okay. What, why don't you just talk? To? Sorry. Back to you, man. No, so, um, so. We hadn't been because we were in separate bands in high school. We hadn't been playing all that much, but he's right. That summer where we dated sisters, so, so I guess on. that brought us closer together.
0: How did do you um, date the sisters individually? Yeah, which
3: which one of you started dating <laughs> yeah, the
0: sister first? Good question. Or was Let's it a mutual
3: up. timing?
2: So <laughs> it was like well,
4: the day I like I kissed the one sister, and then the next day he kissed the other sister. Ma, boom! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I you know I don't know how it developed, but uh, it was a good time, and, and uh, it was my first uh, first true love. There you go. I still remember the smell of the hand sanitizer <laughs> that she used. That's <laughs> so, so weird. Dude, so do I. And, and like Whoa. I can recall, I can recall it, and it fills me with those like. That like teenage euphoria. Yeah. Right. Dude, we're so we're so off topic now. Yeah. <laughs> totally. uh, okay, so anyway, we had this, we had this tape that we made some material somewhere in '98. He went to college. I went to college. I did not have a social life at college because every weekend I would go up and jam in his basement. Um, and then at my college, I discovered underground at Yale, there's like oh, there's like these tunnels, and it's like Picture, like, um, there's, like, steam pipes and shit, and it's, like, not not a real place to walk, but you can get everywhere with these tunnels. They go all, like, through campus, but it's grimy. And I went downstairs into that basement, and I found a room. It was soundproofed, and it was the perfect size to put a drum set, and nothing was in there. And it smelled horrible, like mildew. And I went to the dean, and I was like, what's going on with this room? And they're like, nothing. Do you want the key? And I was like, yes, I do. Sick. So they gave me a key, and that became our Yale jam room. Mm-hmm. So there was an Amherst and a Yale jam room.
2: And um, that was awesome. There's no yeah. way that shit flies anymore. Go to the dean, like, yo, can I use this, like, random ass room? Like, yeah, yeah, here's the key.
1: <laughs> yeah. sure. There's
2: no, no way. Anyway, that's when we really started playing together. A notable thing about that is that group of songs never got released, yeah. I would, ever, I would it was pay always our much favorites. to hear it. <laughs> well, that's what we put out as our most recent. Oh, album. yeah, that's Finally. right. Yeah, that's right. That's what Power Plant is is those songs reimagined now, but not that, yeah. cha- not that much change, just the vocals basically, yeah, and the guitar solos.
3: That's awesome because that album is a jammer. Like, slapped. uh,
0: slapped. We were just talking about that
3: ballpoint like... pen has a really, really cool bass line on it.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's because it's from '98, and that was like really discovering kick-ass music.
3: I love Power Plant too. Now. The title track
4: gave me like GNR vibes.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, really big time.
4: There's a lot of GNR in that in that whole album. So I would say when you
0: when you're learning guitar, I know Slash is your is your dude. Um, what are what is one, like, because Slash has so much within his playing. Like, I remember for the first time really hearing Slash, right? <laughs> the cardboard cut out in the... Oh, yeah, there he is. Oh, that. right there. <laughs> right? And, like, I heard him jamming with the band of gypsies. And I'm like, whoa, this isn't just a cool guy in a hat playing, like, you know, this he's the real deal. I don't, That video, for me, like, yeah. that performance blocked Slash. So what... My question is, what is, like, one of the most, like, fundamental kind of slash licks or slash, like, um, approaches that opened up guitar mm-hmm. playing for you?
2: Great question. That is a good question. Uh, it might be a bit of a surprise. One, like, from the soloing perspective, that was sort of what I always wanted to do. A lot of, right. like, um, you know, I videoed had VCR tapes at his concerts, and I would try slow-mo, the, the yeah. ones that they would have, close-ups on his hands, and, like, oh, yeah. you know, just see, like, like, you know, he didn't play his pinky very much. I don't know. And, like, figuring out, like, if that was the way I wanted to play. I tried to, like, make, make my hands look like his. That sounds really That's weird. That's
3: funny because you use your pinky quite a bit.
2: <laughs> I do. So that was one thing I, that I did <laughs> yeah. that I realized didn't work for me. But if you look at, like, other ways that his fingers move, I did sing. But anyway, there was just the solo at the end, the outro solo to, um, to Night Train and the outro solo to uh, Rocket Queen. Wicked. Uh, there was some lines in there that I was like, he's like going back to being kind of like a major feel and a minor feel and like right. just some things that were like achievable, but also like really amazing. And I sort of later realized not too much later, but when I was really into g that like the songwriting part and the actual playing of like riffs and chords, I was more drawn to Izzy's parts, um, as he, and just, he had a really like stonesy and interesting way of like making his stuff exactly fit. And uh, so I think I I tried to really the truth is I really tried to blend the two even though I never really liked it. How about you know that? and that's how I approached I approached a lot of the full
4: service albums because I was a only a guitar player so I would just try to think okay I need mean my Izzy part and yeah. then the slash part dude I remember when he he so he had these VHS tapes of like Rock and Rio huh. or like <laughs> yeah you know uh, whatever performance Paris yeah the Paris show um. And like back you know, VHS when you pause or like slow-mo, it's just not what it what it is today. (laughs) So he like he gets his crucial part. I remember finding him downstairs and he was like trying to figure out this part, but it was like it was just blurry and grainy on the pause and he just couldn't fucking get I never got it what he was doing. I never got it. (laughs)
3: Anyway. (laughs) How about how about you, Hoag? Was there an Axel moment? I know you're a big Axel
4: guy. I love Axel. I think he's a once in a... Uh, not even like generational. I think he's a once in like a... Humanity? Like, <laughs> yeah, existence of earth talent. Um, and But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I started seeing what he was doing when I was like 10 and 11 years old. So the imprinting that went on was pretty intense. Um, he's crazy, obviously, and, and like a little bit of a horrible person in a lot of ways. But um, I think you can't hold those type of people accountable on the same standards. As, cra- as crazy
3: as it sounds, I think the closest person to Axel would be someone like Kanye.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, no, it's, I agree. It's weird to say,
3: but like similar things where they have that genius quality, but that crazy quality that just has to like bounce off of each other
4: yeah i mean he's a force of nature um and and he uh what there's a great story that bone told me that he wouldn't rehearse with gnr (laughs) because he was like it's too much like it doesn't make sense for me to do what i need to do in a rehearsal setting it's inappropriate (laughs) Like, (laughs) like i need to go that's crazy i need to go ape shit and like so, I'll do my thing. I'll be ready for the gig. Um, Not. <laughs> yeah. Well, he would be late for the gig, but yeah. he but he would, uh, whenever yeah, he would be ready. He would be late, but he, he delivered. That's for sure.
2: For sure. Uh, Very formative yeah. for both of us. That's for sure.
3: Have you guys seen the new Thor movie, Love and Thunder?
4: Not yet. Have
3: not. It is. It, it's. It's Guns it, and Roses. I think you will like it because the soundtrack the, is just Guns N' Roses' greatest hits. They play like every Guns N' Roses song in it.
4: Fuck oh, oh, yeah. yeah! Awesome. More money for guns. Right. <laughs> they even oh, yeah.
0: named a character after Axel. Yep. So I think that was in that contract too. They but- got. They got a big
3: bag of cash for that movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. they did. Um, but like, uh, Hogue, I remember at Cody's birthday years ago when you guys played here. We were talking, yeah. I was picking your brain about falsetto. So I guess like building off what Cody was going with, like some Axel influence, did that kind of influence your approach to singing in that way?
4: Um, well, I don't think anyone could sound like Axel, but right. a, a few things that I got from him was just to do whatever you need to do to get the note. So, and he didn't care that like, he has a very polarizing voice, you know, so. Right um you either love him or you hate him there's not like yeah he's okay um but but he had a thing going on where he he just did what was necessary to achieve that note. um and there's certainly like a whiny um upper register thing that i try to employ sometimes but i you know he had like cigarettes all up in his throat and i never had that so they helped him um,
3: Get the rest.
4: Initially, yeah But but I think he paid the price later um,
3: Have you uh, Has he sued you yet for ride the bike? Ride your bike?
4: <laughs> no, oh man Yeah, it would be a good sign if he sued us Because I mean, we were a lot bigger than we were But uh, Yeah, that was uh, Have another cigarette uh, So no, it was like a full It was like two lines we aped Yeah
3: I mean, it was more of an homage. We do A that homage. very often too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, thinking. you
4: know what they say we, is we, that yeah. uh, tip of the hat. Yes, yeah, tip of the hat. Yeah. If you if you steal, it's better than imitating. Mm.
3: Mm. I thought you were gonna go for I steal, I don't keel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So when when you guys for like so when you're down in the Yale cellar, Yale old cellar. Crafting tunes yes. in amongst the pipework. Um, <laughs> when like when did you at that time were you taking it above ground? Were you playing out and really starting to establish what would be full service or like?
3: Did that come when you guys moved to
2: Austin? Or yeah. Or- well, it, we, we always sort of thought of it nowadays, and we look back and there was like the college full service, and then there was the full service I was down here, and so there. What the band did start then as full service with some friends of mine from Amherst, and it ended up with uh, so it was me and Hogue, and then. This guy, Bert, singing, another guy, Warren, singing, and then uh, my friend Kevin, who's on my baseball team there, playing bass. And we played, we played a lot, we played parties, we played a couple shows, you know, in town, and, like, we, we played a few at other, played the Yale Battle of the Bands a couple times. And, like, yeah, we did, like, college stuff. We won, that we, we, that. we won that shit, <laughs> too. I think it's the only time we entered a con- contest.
3: Yeah, we've never done a musical contest. Um, <laughs> the only closest thing is Rome and Rome from Sublime with oh, Rome yeah. has a podcast, and I like stumbled upon it recently, and they do a thing where they play tracks on it, and I thought that it was just that. They just played your track, so we sent it in. Not realizing It was like a Competition, competition And we oh, got yeah. Completely annihilated In the competition And I was like See this is
2: why We never did any of that shit Yeah right. Okay yeah. Well, yeah. I, I love fuck you guys. guys I fucking love you guys yeah. We had a policy After that forever That we would never do Competition
0: Yeah, yeah. He established That same policy Because I didn't know It was a competition I just sent it in And I sent in like He sent in the <laughs> Dumbest song
3: To send in for a <laughs> musical It was like a 10 minute instrumental Not anything <laughs> but like,
0: Good for <laughs> you You trolled them a little bit They dug it though They were like like they, Rome said nice stuff.
3: They were complimenting him.
0: And then oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then they got to the the vote offs, and they're like, "Yeah, sorry, Dave." <laughs> like he said it like that. Oh, then... that's cool. Oh, <laughs> see you were disgusted. Right, right, that's neat. Right.
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but anyway, so
4: so jumping. Wait, in that that, call, that brings that that reminds <laughs> me of a um, uh, there's a there's a Three Eleven song like in their later years you know people who are listening to this be like i'm going to turn this off because it's talking about 311. Fuck you 311 is cool yeah they have some stuff going on whatever but agreed anyway they have a lyric that that says uh we only enter in one contest and it's uh we only enter in one contest that we made up ourselves and it's to be the (laughs) 311ist it's very cheesy but isn't that a nice sentiment right right right
0: well, if anything, that's yeah. what, that's what all healthy competition should be to be the best you. And if you yeah. can surround yeah. yourself by people that inspire that, that's even better. Right. Yeah. That's, that's Bruce Lee isms. But, uh um, yeah. Do you guys dig Bruce Lee?
4: I haven't, I haven't, uh,
2: no opinion. Probably. <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Probably. A good answer. I haven't really looked at it.
4: Okay. Okay.
0: Know? Let's. Let's put a pin in this. I'll call you back in an hour. Yeah. Like, get death for a little bit and like.
4: <laughs> send. Send. I know that misses. he had one where he fought
2: Will Chamberlain. That's pretty cool. No, it's it was
3: cool. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
2: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. See, yeah. I mean, I've only he like looked death. at it with the side of my eye, but whatever. Which is funny
3: when they fight. He's like as tall as his legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: no. He kills him right in the movie.
3: Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's he a game, kills it's, Kareem. He doesn't kill him. No.
0: Right. That's I don't want to spoil. Yeah, 70. no spoilers. <laughs> okay, no, oh, yeah. Sorry, this movie came out in nineteen seventy-two. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, totally. Dead. Um,
3: uh, so jumping into full service. Uh, when did you, when did you guys move to Austin? What was what was the catalyst to make it Austin?
4: Bonesaw had a friend that he went to college with named Colin Clark, who's recorded a bunch of albums here at the Dream, and they're really good. You should check them out. I have Colin fun. Clark. Yeah, he's a kid. has got a nice deep voice, that country western style. Um, and he knew that we wanted to go somewhere that was not LA, New York, or Nashville. And he grew up here. So.
3: Appreciate it. Well, uh, all right. Yeah, jumping back in, I don't know if, do you want to preface for the listeners what just happened? I'm
0: going to, we're going to, I'll edit it. so We'll they'll put know a big boom
3: in and it'll. It'll
0: recreate what happened. i put stopped. that in there.
4: That's <laughs> awesome. What is that? Sound?
0: <laughs> it's I don't know. Sample bite from the from the device. Plugin. It came with a handful of plugins. <laughs> <laughs> Metal as fuck. Anyway, um, they lost power. Uh, power plant was a great song. Uh, we,
3: were, we were talking about this beginning of full service moving to Austin, and uh, yeah, I think you guys were t- yeah you mentioned. Um, the guy, Colin. yeah, Colin, Colin, yes, which I listen to his music because of the dream podcast where Hogue interviews each person. I listen to each episode and then I would go and check listen out. to their album yeah. afterwards. So I did really check out his music.
4: Hell yeah. it's awesome. Uh,
2: yeah, he's the reason we came down and, um, you know, it was a different time. So Austin, you know, had was not on the map as much as it is now, but it was definitely on the map for music. And um, yeah, that's, we, we, you know, we both, we came down here together. He drove down actually it was ho's birthday we went and saw 311 august 27th in philadelphia and then we drove all the way to texas the next day and moved me down here then he flew home went to finish his time at yale and then came down here himself uh and we stuck around ever since
4: you know all, i wanted to, his- i wanted to drop out because i didn't want to wait two years because we knew what we wanted to do and i asked my parents can i drop out and they said under no circumstances. <laughs> um, well they said like if if you do you'll have that hanging over your head that we did not approve of that. But if you fit we'll support your endeavors. Yeah. Not like financially, but just like sometimes financially. Cosmically. Yeah. And sometimes financially. <laughs> yeah. Come home from tour and be like, I need like three, four hundred bucks to pay rent,
0: <laughs> please. Uh. Oh yeah, talking with Mad Dog, he really he got it, it really laid into like coming home from tour <laughs> how that um... I like. That,
2: that was very interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed that part of your podcast. Love cool. Mad Dog.
0: Oh yeah, the best. Um,
3: so how long uh after you guys moved to Austin would you say until you recorded Three will Ride Fourth?
2: Uh, it took a little while. I mean, I was here about a year by myself. I joined a few bands just to learn the scene and um and then I guess Ho came down in 2003, and that album came out in like 2004. So about a year, we played around for about a year. We know we had a lot of the songs already, and we wrote maybe half of them while we were here. That's cool. And uh, <laughs> dude, you know it was that fun sort of charging.
3: You're all good as long as we can hear you guys. We're we're golden.
2: Yeah. And, um. So yeah, about a year later, and then we pretty much started cranking out albums. You know, just constantly after that. Uh, how did uh, how
3: you guys meet Sam? He's the guy who plays bass on 3 Wheel Ride Fourth, Or was he just playing bass with you guys during that time?
2: Can I talk about talk about Tidy for a second? Yeah, of course. Uh let me just make sure that this is charging. Uh ahead. this guy Tidy um we met him. I don't even remember how we met him. Uh maybe he's a friend of like a girl that Hogs started dating. We went through a couple other bass players. It's a classic story, but um he was just a high he was a college sophomore, really good at music. Uh love the guy. I just think it's notable. He he texted me like having not talked to him in like four or five years a couple days ago. I didn't even tell you. Huh. He said, I've been I've been rereading the Wheel of Time and listening to I three eleven and really thinking about you guys. Can I come over and hang out? <laughs> right hell yeah, you come over and hang out, Tidy. Lovely. I know. He'll <laughs> we really vibed on three eleven and uh, the Wheel of Time books. Um, so you know we did we, we found him and we had a good, some good chemistry for a while. We liked the same kind of
4: music and it lasted for a little while but he was so he was r- really young and Teddy was funny. I uh, he lived with us briefly in this mm-hmm. little shack we lived in before oh we got God. this house and uh, I, like he was kid basically he was like 18 19 and so were we but we were a little ahead of him like maturity wise and uh, I remember he didn't do the dishes for like two days in a row when he was supposed to do the dishes and I really got on him and he took it hard. He almost quit the band. <laughs> wow. talk the
3: Little did he know that if he would have stayed in the band, he would eventually have his legs swept out from under him and <laughs> broken. Yeah, <laughs> right. He could have
2: easily had his leg broken, you know? Uh, stick around, <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um,
3: On the topic of three, we'll ride fourth. Uh, I mentioned my daughter Freya earlier. I know the song Three Will Ride Fourth isn't on the album, but that is her favorite full service song. Uh, we have a couple tricks that we do when we're eating dinner, like little things that I do to get her to keep eating. And probably my favorite one is I sing the part from Three Will Ride Fourth where you say, I am a fresh MC, I said I am fresh and healthy, yes, yes, a fresh MC, I said I am <laughs> fresh and healthy, yes, yes. And when I sing that, she goes... Again, again, again. Oh, yeah. And I'll be like, You gotta you gotta take a bite first. And she'll oh, she'll wow. take a little bite and then I'll sing it again and this goes on every every night at dinner time.
4: <laughs> Neg- negotiation makes, also makes me so happy. I that is that. a wheel of time reference, which you just mentioned. Yeah. Wow. Carrie's really um, into
0: those books. Like, wow. I've
4: never Oh really? Heard.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah yeah. I don't know anything about Wheel of Time.
4: I read book one. He's really Time into out. it. That line is not a reference. The name of the song is a reference. Yeah,
2: through, yeah, through a reference. Not the line that he's talking to us. Anyway.
3: She also yeah. has a whale that she rides a lot, and she's very into whales because we just perpetuate <laughs> that on her.
4: <laughs> she rides the whale? Is it like a little it's, scooter?
3: Yeah, no, it's like uh, one of those little – Rocking te- horse. Yeah, like a rocking horse, teeter-totter type toy. Oh, cool. But she'll be like, Daddy, ride whale, ride whale. <laughs> 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 Where did the name Freya come from? Um. Well, it's it's Nordic. yeah, it's a goddess. it's a Norse name for the uh, goddess of love. But I brought up okay. Thor earlier. I'll be totally honest. I'm like a huge Thor nerd, and Freya is Thor's mom.
4: Okay, so, got uh, it.
3: It was the closest I could get to like naming her Thor that Ke- <laughs> Kelly would let me get away
4: with. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well hell done. Hell yeah.
3: Cool. So where did you did who produced Three War I Fourth? Was that kind of a self done thing?
4: That was um Tidy's dad worked at, he was a he was an engineer or like a producer. Yeah. And so he had a, a hookup at a studio and these these this place engineered it and then he did he tracked vocals for us. Um and yeah, yeah that's that. That was and, a cool
2: hookup, yeah. We had a good time. Johnny johnny yeah
0: so how much of like it was perfect sorry Uh, sorry how much of that process were you guys kind of like taking in at that moment because like with dream studios and like doing it now on your own was it starting to click there seeing it happen and like using your music in that sense because that's always like a hard spot to be in like as far as like a player and like a producer of your own music or like an engineer you take yourself into two different situations there's like the is this a cool part does this work or you know i mean like you you're becoming two different people but to want to become those two different people those early sessions out of aside from necessity have to seem doable and appealing
4: yeah it it definitely learned things along the way at other studios and whatnot so more Um, from
0: down the line then
4: yeah, and it wasn't right away that we were like, oh, I wish we could do this ourselves. It was it was more like um, we were doing it, and, and, and you know, we're thankful for those uh, studios and whatnot, but we always felt a little rushed because you're spending a lot of money. You know, any musician can identify with that, I think. They, they go in and you feel like you have to get things right right away. You don't have a lot of time to... Um, rack up a lot of takes or, and I, combine that with the fact that we we hadn't really recorded a lot of albums or any like studio albums at that point. So we were new to the process, but there came a point where we said, you know, it'd be nice to control this creatively from all facets, not just songwriting and our parts, but also engineering and mixing, because we have a vision in our head of what it would, what it would sound like. And it wasn't always met, um, and the and then there's a cost-effective uh, aspect analysis. Aspect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so we, yeah, pretty standard. Stuff That's a classic
1: code
3: trail off right there, folks. <laughs> no, no, that was the- <laughs> no. I, I we we went through the same thing early recording sessions. We I was talking to someone the other night about it, and we did. Bunch of different studios, like you said, cost wasn't right, timing wasn't right, and then when we finally landed where we are now, we've kind of just locked into a steady thing.
0: Not nah, self-sufficient. Yeah. We're but, still we're still on the grid. We use someone else, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I think I I uh, this is sort of a big picture thing, but it's I kind of shocked. It took me this long to realize this about myself and about us is like it always. We, we're just do-it-yourselfers. In pretty much every aspect of our life, it always kind of ends up that way, no matter what, for better or worse. Like, you know, ev- everything from like writing the songs, like we kind of self-produce each other. You know, right. working with producers, we've kicked around. We, did, you know, we've just never really done it. Never really had a manager. Never really had an agent that worked. You know, even all the things like we do outside of music. Like, I started a women's professional ultimate frisbee team because, like, we need one. Nobody else is doing it anywhere in the country, so I fucking did it, and you know, Torch uh, started a lead for that. Yeah, Torch, and like it's just kind of. I think I think now that I'm in like my mid 40s, I realized it's just the fucking way it is with us, and I like it that way. And it might like for better or worse, I guess. So it applies to recording too. Like eventually, we just got to the point where we were like, okay, we have to do this all our own. Right. Like I want I want to record my solos with the door open and basically be outside. It gets me in the right vibe. I don't. I hate being in like cold air-conditioned studios. You can't stay in tune and shit. I wasn't getting what I wanted,
4: so like that's what we wanted. So we're gonna do it. (laughs) Yeah, and that's funny because there's been some people that come into the dream, and they request that the door be open. (laughs) They want the sunlight coming in. They want my dog coming in and out. Hell yeah. Um, but so that I think that 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 style appeals to a lot of of people but also what we found out when we started producing and recording ourselves was that it's all of a piece and like knowing how you're gonna mix it will inform the thing you play and how you perform and how you record it. So and it took us a while to to figure that out to learn that that, that it was all related like that
3: yeah um that's pretty epic we want to say thank you to helping us out with mastering our last record yeah yeah and uh that meant a lot oh yeah great that's a great album by the way thank you thank
0: you um that's that uh, thank you man that means a lot coming from you um like uh, what it's interesting, you guys with that, like how you said with everything you do is extremely the DIY ethos, the in the discord ethos, the punk rock, do it yourself, find new ways to do it. And me and Cody were talking about that before talking with you guys. It's just even in how you handle thing band things bands do normally, like that you're telling me about the whole uh, you had a guy, man a fan manage you. you remember like,
3: when you guys did manager for a month?
2: Yeah. I did. It. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not until right now, but yeah, that was fun.
3: Yeah. Was, so wow. we, were, we were just talking about ideas like that. You guys always have these out of the box ideas. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, inspirational things that we've taken from you guys is the DIY, do it yourself, but come up with a creative, different way of doing things. That's
0: well, that whole idea of like just the takeover tour or like any of those, it's like completely, most people are like, Well, you email the guy and you wait till you hear and then you, you know, like you you do the thing. Not much of that aspect is do it yourself, which is what's so cool about what you guys do is that mundane, like cookie cutter approach. Most people don't take a creative approach to you guys did. And like that's super inspiring because that makes that that two percent stuff, you know, maybe a little more than two percent in a different way.
4: Mm. nice wow. so you should probably you want to have the two percent uh you can well the two percent came about so we we all have it tattooed on our inner bicep i, tra- and I we tried were so-
3: to convince dave to get it tattooed with me yesterday but oh, we, did, oh, we didn't have oh, we no. didn't have timing i thought it'd be so sweet if we were like what's up guys be- and <laughs> <bad. laughs>
4: Yeah, and it's it's, it'll probably only cost like fifty bucks, the minimum, because it's so small. But um, he's got. So we were stuck in traffic in Chicago, which always happened because Chicago's horrible with traffic. And um, we just we were like, oh god, how much time do we spend with this bullshit finding hotels and waiting in the traffic and blah 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 trying to find food? And Smell got out his notebook and we did the math, and two percent of the time. Uh, we're actually playing music on stage. The other 98%, it's, um, you know, a lot of crap. And so the idea is you do it for the 2%. And uh, that, I think that very weekend when we came up with, when we did the math, Smell and I went out to, uh, after a show. It was that night. Was that night? Yeah, we went out and uh, we got the 2% tattoo. And Smell... (laughs) Smell got, like, a he had, he had, like, a reaction. I think, was it his first tattoo, maybe? <laughs> and he, like, really freaked out, and he had to, he had to, he asked for some tea. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I need to calm down. Can I get some tea? So, they brewed him some tea. Um, and then the next morning, we woke up, and Smell had slept on his arm where the tattoo was. <laughs> and he had, like, a blood stencil of 2% on his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like a couple weeks later, Bonesaw and no, uh, oh, I got it. And then Twinkie never got it. Whoever yeah. got it, Sonny got it. Yeah, that's got it.
2: Uh, you know, you mentioned those ideas and stuff. It's, I, I'm always been uh, you know proud of those ideas, and I love, I just love coming up with them and like thinking of things that we can do differently. It's almost like a, it's like a almost like an obsession with trying to think about something differently than somebody else is trying to do it. Uh, over the course of our career, I have like a, a sort of lingering sadness that I feel like a lot of them were a little bit before their time. And then a lot of and then everything you
3: guys did was before the time.
2: Well, thanks. But then they didn't, they, they got us a long way, but they never really crested us to like bigger kind of success that we uh, have always dreamed of yet. And, uh, I ne- I never really know what to make of that myself. I'm something I just chew on myself personally, you know, when i'm thinking of these kind of things like everything from you know house concert touring you know we were years before that or like all the things like the takeover like, tour live like streams?
3: Um, you guys were one of the first I, people to ever do live streams i put that on everything
2: yeah, yeah good thinking yeah that's right that, that those tell those telethons even just having our own festivals lots of bands do that shit now yeah mother you fuck. know I see those guys, all those guys, those guys try, but they're like, I know they took that idea from us. And now theirs is like really big. I mean, that?
4: Oh, the per- yeah. they
2: have, I think it was, used to be called Freak Stomp or whatever. And good for yeah. them. I mean, yeah, but they, you don't know, saying like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And like good for them. But it's always like, i was a little bit like, dang, like we did really good with it. And then others either because the timing, you know, the world caught up to those ideas or they just happened to see them. Well, yeah, if it makes you
3: feel better. any better, you could think of it this way. You have paved the road for bands like us in many ways. We've done many live streams, and I feel like I was even ahead of the time slightly with live streams because yeah. of you guys. I saw a video. <laughs> I've been going through your guys' YouTube like crazy. That's how I've done my research, <laughs> which, speaking of prolific, <laughs> yeah. your Holy your God. YouTube channel is the definition of prolific. Uh, yeah, no, oh, that God. was like our social media. Like,
2: yeah. you know, yeah. like before, you even know, that media was channel. ahead of its time. I know. Making
4: big promo we, videos. They weren't even. We didn't even have iPhones. We had. Remember those like flip cam? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A USB like sidecar that came out that you would. There's up there. times
3: where you walk up on people and they go, "Oh, you got one of them flip cam video
1: things." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: But there's one where you yeah. guys are doing a live stream for momsaw in the jam room. <laughs> And I think yeah. I think that might be one. That was like, yeah, I think the date was like 2011 or 10 or something like that was one of the oldest I've ever heard of people live streaming music.
2: Funny. Yeah. Oh, well, that does make me feel a little better. Code. Thanks. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, thanks.
0: And even like with with like the takeover tour, like that's such a like or the
3: I, 20 tour or the like 20 you tour. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But it's you know, the Ramones, they they paved their way in like. That everyone caught up, built off those ideas. So the innovators always seem to get, I don't know, don't get the credit, you know.
4: That's funny you mentioned the Ramones because I was talking to my, uh I just feel like calling her my wife at this point. She's been my fiance for like <laughs> three years. But we were talking about the Ramones and we were like, who? It, the Ramones is one of those bands like the New York Dolls or something where they're not, they never crested really. I mean, the Ramones had some, some hits, but like, they're very influential. And she was like, who likes the Ramones other than musicians? Like, I'm not sure. A lot but, of them. Uh, I hope they, a lot of them. Maybe a lot. Yeah. Maybe a lot. I mean, but, um, That's fair. there That's are fair those bands say. like, like the meat puppets or right. something, or like right. they do have some hits, yeah. but like Nirvana really liked them. And they seem to be really influential to, uh, other bands that eventually made it
0: and i don't know if that's like to some like with the meat puppets is it some degree like this is that sacred album you have to be cool enough to get the recommendation to hear you know what i mean like some of those are like like hidden away from the from the muggles you can't handle this this is too deep but like uh it usually it's like those people that are that influential fill up the people that want to do it you know what I mean? Like the Ramones <laughs> paved the way for so many punk bands, and they would play house shows and just like they would play to other bands that became like the Dead Kennedys and fill in the blank, right? But mm-hmm. they never market like like what uh, do you? They never charted really anywhere significant.
3: Their fourth album, they fourth <laughs> or fifth album they did with a like one of the Beatles producers or something. No, no,
0: it was um. Uh, Shangri-Las. Uh, they
3: try. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the, the Beach Boys producers. Nope.
0: Nope. Right? Nope. Nope. No? Nope. Um, oh. oh. It was like ah, It'll come back. It'll Either come
3: way, back. they did. They did try to go down that lane, but it still never worked out for them. They did like a poppy album.
0: But it. They were. <laughs> they are more impactful because of that. Like the Ramones <laughs> are sacred in that way. And like the. That's. I guess to build off what you guys are doing, you did that in your way. So like to kind of pick your brain a little bit about the takeover tour, like. How did, um,
3: which for those who don't, for our listeners who don't know what a takeover is, can you describe the takeover and the takeover tour or the takeover tours?
4: Yes. So in general, a takeover is a place where you're not supposed to play and you bring all the means of production with which to emit sound to that place. So it can be anywhere. We started with, like, parks in Austin um, was the first, or even the, just, like, street corners.
3: The first one, was it, uh, it was, like, First Street Bridge, in, uh, under the First Street Bridge in Austin? like Yeah, incredible
4: a, memory. A yeah, through. it was. Jeez, It was, exactly yeah. It was a right. circular, uh, like, yeah, like a r- circular oh, right, ramp. And yeah. at the bottom, there was power. And uh, we tapped into it. They still don't have power on that bridge because we did that. They still <laughs> don't turn those History. Because after, after that one, they stopped doing that shit. Yeah, we're ruining times for everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you just, you set up and play in a spot where you're not supposed to, and we did that for a while in, in kind of hot spots around Austin, and then Bonesaw had this idea to bring it uh, uh, to a national scale. Yeah, and, and, and we were touring a lot, and
2: having a hard time figuring out how to promote and whatnot so we would do it like we play in auburn then we'd play on the campus at lunchtime and and then go play i mean like honestly it it didn't work that much it didn't actually work very much in those scenarios (laughs) like we had a good time we'd get you know trouble people would see us but usually it didn't lead to like a lot of people coming to our show that day one time it led to us playing at the fucking crazy a crazy party so many guys to play at arizona state But otherwise uh, they didn't work that well. But then when we decided to take it on a tour and do an entire tour, just playing illegal shows in parking lots to try to capture fans in person, it did lead to a lot, you know, eventually, partially because we made a movie about it, which, you know, all these things, like at the time that was a much harder thing to do because it wasn't like, you know, this was the first iPhone we ever saw was on that tour. So it wasn't like people had a lot of like video available. We had to bring a whole crew. there's a but in general the idea when
3: you're, I, yeah. when you're talking about meeting uh Tim you talk about how Chad was frustrated with his iPhone and just the way you say yeah. it you can tell <laughs> that iPhones are like brand new. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, that was iPhone 1.
2: <laughs> Only rock stars had them at the time. Um but that that takeover tour idea like a lot of our ideas really grew out of like like frustration with uh how the current system was for doing what we wanted to do which was like, you know, making fans and playing shows and uh feeling like roadblocks and getting to those places so trying to find alternate ways around them so we were frustrated at just like everybody's doing MySpace and social media later and so we wanted to do something that was the opposite of that to set ourselves apart
4: um and it was the wild west like you know labels were kind of crumbling when in the in the early aughts and um like myspace and social media was just happening and all all bands were trying to figure out. Well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't go to a label. uh, How do we do this all by ourselves? So we were just trying to figure it out. And thankfully, thankfully, we had a mind uh in Bonesaw who would suss all that out. Thanks, so. <laughs> hope.
0: <laughs> but you know, like to to do that, compliment <laughs> to do that, it's like, it, like it, I I don't know, like. I, I've, bu- I've played plenty of busking gigs, right? And like you play in the spot that's kind of designated, right? And you're trying to capture a moving audience. So that's a way different technique to meet and play in a way than it is like when people go to see you or when you put yourself in front of a, a band that you're opening for, right? So there, you already got kind of a captive audience at that point. So like, to mm-hmm. get passers-by is like double as hard. So like and to do like a full production like you guys did for a whole tour in spots you're not supposed to be, you know that's it's it's insane and the doc like how it pans out how it does so is epic
3: one of the right. most epic docs ever. So after doing
4: <laughs> so sleep- there's a little bit. There's a little bit of history how how this came about that I, that I'm just now kind of putting together. <laughs> um, we when we were when we were. Teenagers, uh, we would set up on the street, and this is gonna be the like the bougiest sounding thing you've ever heard. But in Nantucket, um, in the eighties and nineties, yeah, yeah, in the uh, in the late nineties, we would set up on the street in Nantucket, and we would have he would have a guitar, an acoustic guitar, and I would have like um, pots and pans and whatnot, and those little hot rods, those drumsticks that are yeah, bundle, yeah. Um, And we would play two passers-by and by the way i love the plural preceding the uh second noun jeez get there but um so anyway we would we would play and and we just tried to uh engage these people as best we could and so there is that was the early earliest version of takeover yeah back then we had to apply for a permit which we Mm. We did not care for our later years. We would we would beg forgiveness rather than permission. But we, um, there was one time where somebody, when we would get some good dough, you know, like people would drop in like fives, tens, 20s. But one time, some motherfucker put in like a 20 or 100 maybe. A hundred. A hundred. And he said, this is if you stop playing. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> no. And we were like, deal. <laughs> yeah, you can't can deny be- it. Yeah, that's our price.
3: <laughs> well, he's downplaying it. We uh completely stole the idea of doing takeovers. We've never done a tour, but we have done many takeovers um awesome. There's a venue the most success we've had with one. You guys played there, Nelson Ledges. Um Yeah. yeah. We're playing there in 2 weeks. We we made it we, to the stage. We though. have had success going there. So they have woods there where people camp. And what yeah. we do was we wait until the headlining bands are over and we go in the woods and we have a specific campsite we always set up at. And they we have a smart. guy who does a really big fire and we'll get like almost the whole crowd back there sometimes. And that that was like a really, that's been really great takeover spot, you know.
4: Dang. That's a great spot. It can't smart. get much better than that. Yeah, we that's really smart. So y'all got a, a slot this year?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You we're playing at a magic festival in two weeks. There's <laughs> going to be a bunch of music, mag- magicians and musicians at this festival. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, Love
0: but it. the finer <laughs> to, to tune in this technique, what is the takeover technique that you guys have learned throughout the years that has been most effective in the gnarliest of situations?
3: And why was it not the mobile takeover unit?
4: Mobile takeover. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Code is referring to a time when we had, like, condensed our our takeover setup to the whale into a a shopping cart. cart. Uh, Shopping cart, yeah. Yeah. But that was only available because we moved from gas power generator to charged battery Mm. generator. You know, I would say the
2: calculation nowadays would be different because of the way that, like, uh, social media and stuff has changed the game, whereby, like, just the act of doing the stunt gives you something interesting to post about that could become newsworthy that people are going to watch They're not necessarily the people who are there
0: right
2: almost the act of doing the stunt is giving you content to post that's going to get you much more because everybody can see it it's fodder for content not, yeah so like real time yeah so like i don't know we haven't done one in a while um i, I think i if, if we were going to do some now i would have to think about them a little bit differently like things like what you guys doing it at Nelson Ledgers would be perfect for cap capturing a captive audience. Um, but how to get the biggest bang for your buck now would be a little bit different. I mean, um, back then it was like, you know, you had to balance like driving people away by it being loud and 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 weird looking versus right. like making feel welcoming. So you know, we know whenever we could, we would bring somebody else with us who was a friendly person who would be like talking to people while we were
4: doing it. Um Nowadays, Bonzo's big idea is to, he's trying to find ways to not exist publicly, <laughs> basically, online or on social media, which is probably the last frontier to guarantee our obscurity. No, well, like,
2: all right. No, wait, well, hold on. I
3: get where he's coming of- from
2: with this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, let me think, I understand think like where Bonesaw
3: is coming from with this.
2: Thank you. Yeah, Mark Coda's yeah. got it. Is there any other band right now that has <laughs> they only exists on their own app, for example? So let's say like if you wanted to listen to full service, you just we had our own like. Imagine if this is like Instagram, but it's just not it's just two player, and it's not a bunch of other people posting. It's just like that's where we do our thing, and we're it's not player. have. We're not going to have a middle yeah. middle person in there like Facebook or whatever in between owning this company. It's just like if you like our band, that's where we're going to post stuff, and then you can go there and then be nowhere else. I don't think any band's doing that, but I mean, we could do that if we could just make the app, and then it's like on our terms. And if you like us, you're there. If you don't, you're not.
3: Did didn't you guys try that at one point?
0: I remember a state radio I, app, I, and I, I remember a full service. I know app. bands. I I
3: remember downloading apps for bands at one point.
4: Really? Was there a state radio yeah. app? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like there, yeah.
2: there were other bands with apps, but
3: not where that's the only so,
4: Yeah, I get
2: what you're saying. Yeah, the only place where they exist is there.
3: The only thing I can think of that's and it's not an app and but we're going back to Kanye. His last album he put out on a stem player, which was a devi- you had to buy the device to get the album wow. and it's still not on any you still cannot get it anywhere without buying this stem player, which is a really revolutionary technology that like it isolates the song and you can play individual oh. stems and it's not just for Kanye's wow. music. You can download like a Marvin Gaye song on there and just hear the bass track. But that's the only way you can hear his new record.
4: That is really cool. So are you, it sounds like you, you're a, you're a Kanye enthusiast. Is there is that something we should be paying attention to it? I think that's definitely something you can pick up about i'm Coda. just a
3: general nerd about all things <laughs> i want okay. i wanted a stem player to exist for years and then he created it and i was like, ah! <laughs> like did, you
2: get, uh, did you buy it
3: i did not because <laughs> it's
2: 200 dollars
1: <laughs> and oh, i've
3: that's... thought about it I've, I've like had it in my cart but every time i'm it, like in my head like i gotta pay for this or this and
2: that's cheaper than one of his pair of shoes, probably those Yeezys yeah, or whatever. the kind of. Hold on, guys. I just need to check in with. Uh... Oh yeah.
3: Yeah, you're all good. Uh, if, you, if we want to wrap it up to like a ten minute. wrap. Uh, we
2: got a little more time. Colleen just says she ordered pizzas. Yeah. Hey. She's just getting out candles.
3: <laughs> Pizza. And cool. Candles.
2: Um, I might see a text her in a few. Um, anyway, sorry we got off in the weeds again, but
3: uh... you're all good. Uh. Really quick, I wanted to tell the sto- I wanted to tell the story of how I first encountered you guys and how and have Dave tell his story of how he first encountered you guys. Oh, yeah. So first time I uh, ran into you guys was at the House of Blues in Cleveland and you were opening for Badfish. Tropodelic was also playing, you brought up Tropelic. I uh, I tried to be their bass player, but I was only 15, and they told me that I was too young, and, and they didn't and have enough I, I didn't have gear at all. I lied to them and told them I had a bass and a bass amp. So that gig was the first time I saw them, also. But I just remember you guys opened the night, and I remember walking into the House of Blues and just immediately being enamored by your band just based on looks. Like the All whole
1: right.
3: <laughs> shirtless dreadlock, drums in the front. I couldn't tell who was the lead singer at first. I was just immediately enamored, and then Bonesaw gets this surfboard out, uh, yeah. <laughs> the full service oh, surfboard, yeah, and he yeah. crowd surfed on the surfboard, and that was the moment where I was like, "This is my favorite band now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And then after the show, I didn't talk to any of you guys except for Bonesaw. I, just, I remember I came up to Bonesaw and was like, hey, man, great set. And he gave me a really hard slap on the back and said, thanks, and handed me public service announcement, the, the <laughs> demo of public service announcement. And that, to this day, is my favorite CD you guys have. I burnt, wow. I, I went through three copies of that. Like You know when you play wow. a CD too much, it doesn't play anymore? I had to go to a third copy of public service announcement.
2: Oh man, that's fantastic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> where you warm my heart
4: now, Coda. That was I remember, I remember everything you just described. I wonder where so Bonesaw was the only one you ran into afterwards?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um... Big fucking surprise. Who was who was out there? <laughs> we were all out there.
3: I think I was focused on like seeing Tropodelic and and because I wanted to see this band that told me you're too young to be in our band. Yeah. You know well, so, they fucked yeah. up man. They fucked uh, up. Oh, by the way,
4: that's a great move, just to lie. Just <laughs> say, yeah, I have all the shit I need. Yeah. And then figure it out. I was going to use
3: his bass amp and his <laughs> bass. That was my plan. I lied and told them I had his bass and Wait, his bass. You said you bass- be in bass.
0: my <laughs> band. <laughs> See, do you want to tell your story, Dan? Uh, I don't know now. <laughs> well, I met you guys on the state radio tour. I did yes. the ABT thing with those guys and their non-profit. And, uh, Hey, I said, power's, hey, back, powers on. back on. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. And, um, yeah. we met, I, we, I'm pretty sure we met in Dallas or the first, whatever the first date was that, but I just remember really talking to you guys in Dallas and you explained the whole 2% to me. And like, um, I was like, holy like at, at that point in my life, I was taking in all this stuff because I was huge fans of state radio. And then like to see you guys with them and see like how this whole thing works. And just you know, what I mean, that was right out of high school for me to ride the wave and see like, oh, this is a very real thing that could happen if you hustle hard enough, you know. Hell yeah! And you guys proved that. And then like, I, I just remember having that conversation right before that show in Dallas when I, I think uh, I, was, I think it was before you guys sound checked or something or setting up a merch and mm-hmm. um, and explain the whole two percent. That's been rattling my brain since. But we met on that oh. tour.
4: Yeah, I remember seeing you went to the Austin. You were in the Austin, yes. you were at the Austin show too, right? Yep. He, yeah, he and y'all had a, a whole bus.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wild. Man.
4: Yeah, we spoke after that show, which was where was that
2: one? That was at La Zona Rosa. Yeah, not there anymore.
0: Because I, I think it was supposed to be at Stubbs, but they couldn't do it that night or something, so they moved it there. Yeah,
4: that's what Chad thanked all you guys for being students. Who didn't go celebrate spring break in Fort Lottie Dotty? Fort Lottie Dotty, Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I
2: remember that
1: too.
0: How'd you guys how'd you guys link up with them?
2: Uh pretty sure it was through Joel from Badfish. Yeah. Made a connection for us. Yeah. Because the State Radio right Hood open for them a few times. And uh, and then weirdly, we had a connection with oh. Chad that like hoax, like I'm talking like toddler through. Eight-year-old best friend ended up being their manager for a while. Yeah, when he was in, like my closest bud. But we hadn't talked to, talk to him, so we had this like really weird old school connection that like also paid off. And then so, but it was originally through Joel, and then we just hit him off. and uh, stay in touch with the, those guys a lot. They were actually just in Austin. Yeah. And uh, cool, yeah. Not them, but Dispatch. Whatever yeah, yeah. chat.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, like yeah, um... we caught
3: them about a month
0: ago. Nice. And that was a to build off other stuff you guys have done, like with your podcast, that inspired me to do this.
3: Which another thing that was ahead of its time. The, yeah. ma- the Mastapod, the Whale Pod. <laughs> you your guys' <laughs> podcasts were some of the first podcasts I ever listened to.
2: Like that's Dang. the first
0: exactly. time I heard like an in depth combo with Chad and Peanut and like and like I don't know, it was badass.
4: Oh yeah, they were yeah. on the podcast, right? Yeah. Um, um yeah. Do we do one with Uh, Chad Stokes. Yeah. We did. Right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Podcasting is great, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah,
3: it's awesome. Have you done any other ones except for the, I know the whale, I know MasterPod and the dream. dream. Have you done any other ones?
2: Well, Uh, man, yeah, we've done, uh, we have a Frisbee podcast. It's not up anymore because we stopped Uh paying the bill, but it was called Sold Out and it was about the local men's startup pro team Uh, and it was, that's how we met Weber, our, bass player for a while uh we had pseudonyms he was i'm with mr whammo whoever's dr flatball mm-hmm. and Hogue was nice d and uh yeah it was just kind of like a podcast like kind of poking fun at um the frisbee team or whatever
4: it was one of the most fun things it was so fun. There's a lot
2: of if you're there's a lot of videos to it as well if you ever look on youtube for soul sol apostrophe d out and then
4: i had a podcast with my friend from high school and it was about cheese and we we <laughs> <laughs> we he he bought a subscription to like a a cheese like they like they mail you packages yeah, yeah, you, of cheese, and we uh, we would taste the cheese and it was called curd your enthusiasm.
3: Oh my! <laughs> God.
4: And uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but then we had one about fruit called Trivial Per Fruit. Ah!
3: <laughs> Bone saws making sure, a face that I always make when Dave comes up with foolish ideas. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I I know that Dave. I can tell that Dave's also a fan of the pun. Yeah.
3: Oh oh, majorly. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, that's.
0: Awesome. I
3: knew he
4: said Victor Putin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's amazing. Um, that's like uh, <laughs> so that's probably why I can't. I was trying to to find some of those old episodes of the of the Whale Pod, and I, there's only two of them on YouTube. I think um really yeah yeah i couldn't find well, it well
2: yeah. we stopped paying the soundcloud bill oh that would be which it. is oh
0: fuck it's <laughs> like 60 bucks a month
2: i know we could always put it do it again if you want to put it back up there
3: or we could pay anyway. you a small fee to just email us every podcast you've ever done oh yeah oh
4: we have them that's a good call we, we have we have the audio
0: you gotta put it on the app oh yeah oh, wow there fucking A, yes So, yes, it comes back, you don't have, have to pan out
2: <laughs> Damn,
4: see It'll live on the app That makes me feel good, yes,
2: that's where we put our podcast We don't need any uh, fucking
4: hosting fees Although the app probably has its own deal going on Right, well, and it's we'll a,
0: a lot of storage From what I understand yeah. To host your own podcast
3: But,
2: anywho Yeah No, you just got my mind going again I can, okay. see,
3: I can see the gears ticking Yeah
4: <laughs> Yeah, zoom in on that brain. I was just like, oh, week. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: So, yeah, we were talking about Three Will Ride Fourth. I kind of jumped way ahead. Um, After that, you guys did I oh, yeah, that was like
4: 25 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah I, was,
3: I was trying to follow a lane, and then I, I jumped off. Um, okay. I was curious on I Love. there's a song 542. At the end of uh, – 542. At the end of that, who's singing? There's a part at the end that doesn't sound
2: like either of you.
4: Oh, yeah. Um...
1: In that's
2: our friend. Uh, that's our friend John Milliken. He's a, a band called Free Bleeder. They're still around. That's a name, isn't it? Free yeah, Bleeder. Bleeder. Uh, they had their early albums. We used to play with them a lot in our early times, and co- you know, we would go up the stage, and play some of their stuff, and with them. And he recorded that album for us.
3: That's awesome. I've always, I've years, I've been trying to debate to myself: <laughs> Is that Bonesaw or Hogue? Like, how did they do that?
4: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's old John. He was one of the first dudes we met in Austin. He's a great guy. Go text Colleen whatever she's responding to. Here, you guys,
2: ask me a question. Ask me a okay, question. See how he treats me with just like a. <laughs> Can you? That. No, dude. We're on my phone. Uh, we should probably do about maybe ten more minutes, and then maybe do an episode two next time. That's that okay. sounds good. That sounds
3: good. Um, strictly Bone question: Can you speak on the Jolly Roger flag at all? Yeah, all right, oh, is man. it is it still
2: a part of your setup? No, it's not. I did. Uh, I don't remember where it came from. I'm pretty sure I had some flags when I was growing up at, that were on my ceiling, actually. And I just took it, and I always had it on my amp from the very, very beginning. And then I can't remember when it was, but it was one of our big shows in Austin. And uh, I gifted it to um, a fan. which became a friend um, named Kat Anderson here in town and uh, gave it to her. And then she brought it back so I could put it on at the circus, I believe. Uh yeah and then i gave it back to her um just a very special fan and friend we played in her high school graduation and lots of stuff she used to decorate all the we did the christmas shows she would do all the decorations and stuff and um i don't know just did it i don't even remember why i did it i did it one time in college never did it again i never stopped doing it
3: (laughs) very cool um you brought up christmas i wanted to talk about the christmas album and just say just thank you so much for that (laughs) like uh Seriously, that's one of my favorite albums by you guys and definitely my family's favorite Christmas album. Well, Cher- I should oh, say Sharon Jones is maybe like the top one. But our top three at Christmas every year, we start off with Sharon Jones, Full Service, and then Bootsy Collins.
2: Oh, sick. <laughs> nice. That was fun to make. That was one of the uh, one of the several that we did where we each decided to write a few songs for it. What's that um, one? The Christmas album and oh, yeah. uh had a really really great time doing it it was a fun way to all collaborate because you know usually it's me and i'm doing the majority of songwriting but Sonny wrote two or one or two and smell wrote some great ones on there yeah i have uh, to admit
3: smells are my favorite
4: they're great I, nice. I yeah he's got christmas in austin and christmas actually he wrote that before we his... did the album he, that is was his the second one the one about his
2: home, grand, granddad
3: home, uh home for the holidays
2: yeah. yeah. I cried when he played downstage.
4: Yeah, that was uh, nice. Yeah, they're both That's very maybe.
3: heartfelt. I uh we did a Christmas show last year like a house show and acoustic and I covered Christmas in Austin, but I changed it to Christmas in Cleveland and all the uh, part all the parts where Smell sings about no snow, I added to be a lot
4: <laughs> of snow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's oh that? yeah, we did a thing, Dave. We did something for a nursing home that yeah, you worked yeah, at. Yeah. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I uh, so I also do a bunch of nursing home gigs and like uh, last in twenty twenty when they're all shut down, um, I made this whole monster mama jam and asked a bunch of people to contribute a Christmas song and like made it one giant live stream that I put into one video and gave to all the nursing homes to play on their screens so they had something. But yeah, yeah, I forgot uh, about that's right. Yeah, thank you guys. I so forgot much for about that. that too. Yeah, <laughs> we were going so far deep, <laughs> we forgot about what was recent. <laughs> But yeah, that went David, over well. Like a really good guy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what comes from idolizing homies like you? Yeah. And like uh, Chad. And yeah, like you, all the you real guys you
3: guys have done a lot of benefits too. Uh, your last album was a benefit. The whole album right. was a
1: benefit.
2: That's true. Well, That's did you know we true. used to play nursing homes as well. That was yeah. one year we that was our service thing. We were like, let's just try to play as many nursing homes as we can. We only it was it was hard to get in, but we did about four of them. Um
4: also it's hard to tell
2: if they enjoy it it's just one of my favorite one of my favorite pictures of all time was the front row and somebody took a picture from behind and it was all the old ladies in the wheelchairs and like you know they're like the old shoes yeah yeah and it
4: yeah. was like the front row it was a great shot but uh, but we played we played some nursing homes and we're like wow i think they've they thought we were like monsters and they hated it. And the the people like, no, did you see them tapping their Uh, foot? If you look, they're like really,
0: (laughs) they're doing whole notes, but they got it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting to like read a room like that because the reactions are so like different, like they're what you're used to of like slamming is like, is really withdrawn. And like, it's hard to, it's, it's really awkward. At first, to see if you're even same with kids, you know what I mean, like it's it's hard to tell if yeah. they really like it, you know, if they're really having it's. It's interesting. There's this middle ground which you get used to playing for, knowing how to address. But those outliers, it's it puts you right back at the beginning in a way. That's cool that you yeah. that you guys did that. It's really it is really. I've always wanted to do a tour where pre-show we would play in a nursing home, like an acoustic gig. Then He's never gig tried to pitch this to me. Not yet, but since you know he's pitching the app, I'm gonna pitch to you like how we actually make money. We play the DIY shows at night in the nursing homes during the day. So if yeah, they, man. If they pay That's well. a cool idea. Mm. they don't but we'll make some he's he uh he also did a
3: takeover at a nursing home oh yeah during (laughs) this is going to be crazy during covid he went to one or did you did that several of them yeah i would do it every week he went and played outside on top of his van
0: yeah put the speakers inside oh dave
3: they threw me a wire so
0: they threw me the wire and i went on and like they they would watch
3: through the windows
4: and they would during covid because you knew they were they were really isolated and they needed to pick me up that's yeah, awesome. Yeah.
0: My- and I was I was going there usually, you know. What I mean, like, so I, that was a regular haunt. So like, it was it was fun to do it from the top of the van.
4: That's so fucking a cool. regular haunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of your next album. That's so cool. That's so cool, dude.
2: I love that you did that. That's fucking amazing.
4: Well, it
0: comes from watching you guys make it possible. You put those ideas nah. in the ether, man.
3: Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, you guys laid a lot of groundwork. Uh, tried not to gush too hard, but. <laughs> You guys are seriously one of if not the biggest influence on our band, not just sonically, but even more so from like managerially, how we approach things. Ethically, Ethically we've always used your band as a model to how we approach the uh, the 98% as well as the 2%, but
2: we don't have a safe yeah. board. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that means a lot, man. Yeah, it does. It really, really does makes yeah. makes my day in fact
0: yeah awesome um do you do you have any rapid fire things we can do before like because if you guys would be down to do a part two i know cody's we got a lot more specific questions on uh, uh other like more specific albums and like songs yeah hit for the rapid
2: fire
4: to end this one and then we'll do it we'll pick a date for it yeah abso- absolutely down for a ra- uh a continuation but let's—we uh, love a hot seat yeah. rapid fire. So here some we hot go. Some
0: hot seat, Cody. You got some okay, spicy uh, ones.
3: Okay, fuck hot seat. Uh, <laughs> Hogue, what i you were the first person I ever heard use the term power fill, and that's one of my favorite terms now. Can you give me like a top, some top power fills off the top of your head?
4: Was I referring to? Help me out. Was that referring Drums. to drum fills? Yeah, yeah of yeah, course, dude. Yeah. Power fills. Um, what do you think? What you think he was talking about? <laughs> well, I just. I, Filling up a water
3: bottle powerfully. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's a,
4: that's his scenario. He was where... making fun of you right there, dude. No. Um,
2: I'm pro-Hogue. Power... We got this, buddy.
4: <laughs> um. Well, a good power fill, an example of a power fill would be uh, Teen Spirit. It smells like Teen Spirit. Chicka, 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 chicka. You know, with that that big, like, That's just, like, there's no dynamics. It's all, like, mezzo-forte. Um, I guess John Bonham had a lot of power fills, uh, at the end of, um, Stairway to Heaven, um, my mouth can't even do it fast enough, but yeah, no, not like a lot of touch, just like pure attack.
3: The one that comes to mind for me, for yours is freezing dub when you do that little extended fill towards the end, right before the guitar solo.
4: Yeah, that's a power fill. Good call.
2: Um, <laughs> you know what? With Hogue, they come up a lot in the solos. Like I would say, the there's one on Two Players album. You know the song Earth Force Master. There's like a guitar mm. solo at the end, or it's like a big sort of outro with all these big industrial sounds, and he does a big power fill that rolls over the measure. It's my favorite part of this of the album, probably. That's one of my yeah. favorites too.
3: So- that song gave me Coheed and Cambria vibes. Ah, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever Never- gone into them, but.
4: We have uh, been compared to them, but not neither of us are Never attuned to their catalog. Mm. Mm.
3: All right, next rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> how do you create the perfect headband, and what is the significance of headbands? <laughs> oh,
4: I got I this. Wearing one right now. So I recently brought the headband back because my hair is long enough now to 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 bring it back. But you have to you you cut the bottom off. You can't take a middle section. You need the seamed section. Mm um at the bottom of the shirt yeah. and also yeah. you have to since it rolls up top it'll roll about a half inch you need to you need to buffer zone a half inch into your cut um and you want like what is this like four five inches yeah about four depending so. on the size of your forehead yeah it should be four. but you want to go thicker than you might think mm. yeah um and then and then uh inside so you you want the seam you know like as you wear the shirt you don't want to flip it inside out yeah that's it although there's a cost to that because it rolls over towards the viewer yeah you might think like oh you want that to roll into your head but you So you asked rolled (laughs) rolled out yeah rolled out laces out i i got
0: a quick one do you still have the the um hard drive from a that you got when you met three eleven dudes. Oh, the lucky wow. hard yeah, drive. The lucky hard drive.
4: It's thirty feet below us. Yeah, yeah. It's I thought we are gonna pull it out of your pocket. Yeah, like, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> let go of it since. You mean this?
1: <laughs>
4: <Whoa>! <laughs> yeah, yeah, still yeah. got that. And although it's, I, I still remember. have
2: actually. I have the piece of paper that Tim wrote their manager's number down. Yeah. On I, I have that on my wall there. Home it's dog. Oh, yeah. No, he never, he never emailed me back to his email when I wrote him. I, I mean, know. Tim Mahoney, but whatever.
0: And next to the slash matchbox? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, very <laughs> close to that.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, final rapid fire. Do you guys have
3: any recollection of the Turtle Power video and when you guys did Turtle Face, as, as Dave <laughs> called it in, yeah, in we text did, message?
1: We... <laughs> oh,
4: we're about to get canceled. That's, for what, tur- that's turtle. <laughs> uh, le- I do remember that. And we did not get paint that is suitable for the skin. So oh, it was like, oh. it like covered your pores and was oh. a disaster for like sweat and general skin health. That show was, oh man, that was brutal. But we did look great. So and after after the show, so we we wore it a couple times, like we did, like a show for whole turtle face the paint. Yeah, we earlier in the day. So we that night we had a show at Flamingo Cantina in Austin. Earlier in the day, we played a show for our drum and guitar students at this neighborhood in Austin. Yeah, but after the flamingo show late at night, Smell and I went out. (laughs) We, We finished the show. Like, back up the van, and then we went out to get food, and we went to get pizza Smell, <laughs> at this walk-up place, this walk-up, like, pizza <laughs> booth on 6th Street, and the lady was like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> and so- we're Michelangelo and Raphael, like, full-on turtle paint. How is this not like, on the YouTube? Can we get a couple slices? And she's like, is this some fucking
2: Twilight Zone or what? It's incredible. No shoes. Sometimes it works out, mm-hmm. yeah
3: that's awesome yeah we every halloween when if we have a gig on halloween we do ninja turtles but we've never once done
0: full turtle for like full
3: paint you guys had the chest pieces the weapons yeah. it was all out yeah. we just do the simple route just the head bandana call it <laughs> a day
4: so how does it work out for y'all who's who's which turtle
0: oh that's a good question now well it's funny our last
3: interview we did was with the voice actor who played michelangelo in the original cartoon
4: no way. Yeah, he was super good. Guess.
3: I, I met him like a month ago at a Comic Con, but uh our our turtles, I'm Michelangelo. He's Leonardo. And then since we're a three piece, our drummer's kind of like an amalgamation of Donatello and Raphael. He gets angry, but he's also the smart one. Like mm.
4: you know. <laughs> why why Smarter. is Dave Leonardo?
0: I, I I send a lot of emails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, the, he's, the lead. Like he's the clear leader.
3: I drive, I drive more. Then I'm the goofy one. Yeah, yeah. I
4: think I, I, can, I can suss out why you're Michelangelo. But <laughs> another fun one to do. That means you don't like
3: seem like-, like a natural leader.
4: Ouch! <laughs> like a combination of red and blue. You know, the A team is a fun one. Also, yeah, to, to explore, one. you know, the identity.
0: Well, why'd you guys go with what you went with? Do you
2: remember? Um, well, so, yeah, similar reasons. I mean, smell, you know, smell and pizza, like he delivered pizzas for like 20 years and he like only ate pizzas. So that was obvious. Michelangelo.
4: Uh, I was Raphael because like he got, he was pretty hot headed and like competitive and like, you know, that's the way we are. And you were same Leonardo Leonardo, because you're like the brains in some ways. <laughs> And Twink was Donatello because just sort of got to, got to be one of them.
3: Well, he's, ki- he's kind of jittery, too. Like, Donatello's jittery in the same way Twink kind of is.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Twink is jittery. That's right. for sure. That's a generous <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, wow. Uh, all right, fellas, I probably got to get going yeah. now. This is incredibly yeah. fun to we chat with you We appreciate it so
3: much. Uh, before we let you go, we just want to plug your show on October 8th. Anybody listening that's in Austin or Texas, get a ticket to come see two player at HQ on October. 8th. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Thank you for the plug. It's not, not a whole lot of tickets left, but there's a few. So right on. And if, if we would love to do it again or do a continuation, if you guys want. That would be, absolutely. Just a lot of fun. awesome.
2: Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.